Good morning, church, and uh, especially good morning to those who are visiting us for the very first time. Uh, it is indeed an encouragement uh, to see you all brave the rains, uh, despite the nonstop rains since last night, and uh, your physical presence is an encouragement uh, to uh, one another. Now, I love uh, coffee, and my love for coffee began when I was a kid. See, back then, milk was expensive for my family, and so my mother started me on coffee. And so now, children, please do not try this at home. Coffee was the cheapest breakfast drink, and since then, I've tasted many different kinds of coffee. I've tried many different methods of making coffee. So I've moved away from freeze-dried instant coffee granules to coffee brewers, to coffee siphon, to mocha pot, to aeropress, and to espresso machines. I have also tried rare beans like Blue Mountain, Hawaiian Kona, and even the loathsome, loathsome for some, Kopi Lua, which is civet cat pooped coffee. One could then say I am a coffee snub. But you know what? I would still go back to just making myself a simple cup of good drip coffee, which is just hot water poured over ground beans. It is the most basic coffee that I grew up with. And a simple drip coffee never fails to delight my senses. So this week, we begin a series of sermons called Back to Basics, based on the study of the same name, which is Back to Basics. It is re-looking at the basic Christian beliefs. And you ask, why go back to basics? Why choose the entry level? Why go back to the beginner's level? Well, for many of us who think that we have reached the advanced level, revisiting the basics brings back familiar delight. So I recall the delight that filled my heart the very first time somebody told me Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I recall the delight when I first learned of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, lest no one, so that no one can boast. Now, these basic elementary Bible verses speak of the wondrous truth that delighted my heart. To know, delighted my simple heart, to know that the God that I feared is actually the God who accepts me now in Jesus. And so I want to revisit those beautiful basic truths. I want to recall the delight that they brought to my simple heart the very first time I heard them, the very first time I understood them. And so today we shall look at one of those basic Bible passages that most of you have heard before. And some of you may be hearing it for the very first time. So whether you are a newbie or a veteran, I pray that these verses bring delight to your souls. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. First slide comes up. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So firstly, basic rule to note when we read Bible verses is that whenever a verse begins with the preposition for, our job is to find out what it is for. So for introduces a reason or reasons for a preceding statement or a fact. So the writer of these verses, the Apostle Paul, was telling his readers that the hope of the glory of God will not be a dashed hope. It won't disappoint. Now we are all familiar with dashed hopes, aren't we? So do you still remember the $50 or rather the $54 Huawei phone promotion two years ago? Do you remember the thousands of hopeful quinquagenarians or those who are in their 50s? Their hopes were dashed when they were told that stocks of the phone quickly ran out. Well, not so with the hope of the glory of God, Paul tells us because of God's love upon us. And here in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 10, are the following proofs, evidences of God's love. And the more we ponder upon it, the more we realize that God's love is indeed, boom, mind-blowing. It is amazing. It is incredible. So firstly, God's love covers Look at verses 6 to 8. Next slide. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God, he shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, giving one's life for another is, is not unheard of. We've heard news of how people sacrifice their lives in order to save others. And so you must have heard of the young boy, this young boy by the name of Bridger Walker, who shielded his young sister from the attack of a German shepherd. Did you read about that? So the sister was not harmed, but Bridger, the older brother, was badly bitten in the cheek. And he underwent an emergency op, leaving him with 90 stitches on his face. So Bridger later told his parents, and he said, If someone had to die at that moment, I thought it should be me. Here is a boy who was ready to give up his life in order to save his little sister. And his love? His bravery, his self-sacrifice was so commendable that it made some Marvel superheroes, uh, Marvel superheroes actors, that is, 
praise bridger, beginning with Captain America, who promised to send the boy an authentic Captain America shield. And I was like thinking, it better be made of Wakanda alloy. Risking one's life and the laying it down for another does happen. It happens in the family. A brother risking his life for his sister. It happens for national interests, bodyguards or police willing to take the bullet for the president. Lives are laid down for a loved one, for an important figure, for a good person. But no one in his sane mind would be willing to risk his life or lay down his life for an ungodly person. No one except God's Son, Jesus. He gave his life for the ungodly. He gave his life for sinners. He gave his life for you and I. You and I who rebelled against God, who never wanted his rule, but wanted instead to be left alone to ourselves. You know, the Apostle Paul in the same letter, penned the, the letter to the Romans, he described sins vividly. And he says, we suppressed the glaring truth about God's existence. We did not honor him as God, nor gave thanks to him. We followed our dishonorable passions. We decided that God is not worth our thought or our time. And we were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy. We were heartless, ruthless. You must have read of this family who chained a woman to the toilet bowl and poured hot water on her, knocked her teeth off. The woman was a family friend who was intellectually challenged and who sought refuge in their home, but then would later become their victim of abuse, twisting her toes with a pair of pliers and splashing boiling water on her groin area. She was left half naked, chained to the toilet, sitting in her own poop, and where she had to eat off the toilet floor. Did you read about that? That is just but one example of sin that men and women are all capable of doing if there was opportunity. So you see, our sins deserved the wrath and the fury of God. Our sins deserve death because the wages of sin is death. And here is the proof of God's amazing love for us. While we had no desire to honor Him, no desire to obey Him and give Him the glory that He deserves, while we were helpless in our sins, Jesus died for us. Jesus paid the wages of our sins. He took care of our enormous debts. He covered for our sins, even while we were still living in sin, even while we were in rebellion against Him. That 
is God's love, friends. His love is indeed mind-blowing. Another proof of God's love is, is in the following verse, verse 9. Next slide. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. See, when Jesus covered for our sins by dying for us, his death did not just take care of our current debts. It did not just zero out our balance sheets. His death did not just dismiss the current charges against us. Jesus' death, rather, now justifies us from guilty to now not guilty, from wicked, sinful to now righteous. That's what Jesus' death has done for us. So Romans chapter 3, verse 21, which was read for us a while ago, tells us that at the death of Jesus, the righteousness of God has been given to all through faith in Jesus. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are now justified by God's grace through the redemptive death of Jesus, who offered propitiation by his death. And here's a very important word, propitiation. Jesus' death was an atoning sacrifice that was offered to God. Jesus' death appeases God's rightful anger upon sinners. See, God who is just demands that justice must be met, meaning debts ought to be paid, sins ought to be punished. And yet the same loving God gave us His Son to pay for our debts and to be punished for our sins. And so when Jesus offered His life, it took away the anger of the just God upon us sinners. It served the justice of God. So here is an important truth. Friends, the death of Jesus is not a sob story just to show us how much God loves us. As if to say, see, this is how much God loves you. He gave his life for you. No. The death of Jesus, rather, reiterates the mind-blowing love of God because his death is the only way by which God's anger can be appeased. It was the only way by which we could be made righteous. And so when you ponder upon this, you and I must walk away and say, oh, the unimaginable love of God. Because God's love atones for our sins because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, we who believe in him are no longer guilty of sin. God sees us as righteous. You know, before I heard of Jesus, before I understood the uh, wonderful benefit of his death, I've always been haunted 
by my sins. I do not know if you have the same experience, but I've always been haunted by my sins. You see, as a kid, my mother started me young on coffee. She started me young also with movies. And so as a kid, I remember watching movies about hell. And I've seen punishments depicted in those movies. So there was this woman who lied a lot when she was alive. And upon her death, she was tormented in a place, I believe, which was called hell. And what happened to her was that her long tongue, very long tongue, was pulled out and cut, snipped. And when I saw that, I knew that I have told many lies to date and that I would certainly be punished when my time comes. So I thought to myself, in the meantime, could I balance out my lies by telling more truth? Could I cancel out my sin by doing more good works? But I realized that even if that were possible, the problem was I continued in sin. And so the amount of my supposedly good works could never catch up and make up for my sin. You know, it was like trying to pay your credit card interests, but at the same time incurring credit. There was no way I could escape God's wrath. And that was always hovering over my head. And it constantly spooked me. Until, until I heard about God's Son, Jesus. Of how his death took away God's anger upon me for my sins. And how his death made me no longer guilty of my sins, past, present, and future. Because God has made me righteous in Jesus. So that's why the verse tells us, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. When Jesus atoned for our sins, he took on upon himself God's wrath. And now, we who believe in Jesus are saved from God's wrath because there can never be a second wrath. So a few years ago, I read this book which tells us of the story of a man named Wagner Dodge. Wagner Dodge was a smoke jumper, a firefighter who uh, parachutes from a plane into the site where there is a small forest fire. See, the job of smoke jumpers is to extinguish the fire before it spreads to become a big problem. So one day in August of 1949, Wagner and 14 smoke jumpers parachuted into western Montana to try to stop the fire on the adjacent mountain. But after they had landed on the slope of the mountain, somehow the fire had spotted. That is, the fire on the other mountain had sent sparks and embers blown by the wind. And it started a new fire on where they landed, just below where they landed, directly downhill where they landed. 
and the fire was coming up fast. There was no way they could extinguish it or run away from it, run uphill in time. And you know what Wagner did? Wagner quickly lit a fire in front of him. He lit fire in front of him, after which he wet his handkerchief, covered his mouth and nose, and dived face down into the ashes left by the fire he had created. Thus, he isolated himself from any flammable vegetation, and he survived the forest fire that wiped his surroundings. Why? Because once fire has swept a piece of land, there can be no second fire. The Bible speaks of the coming wrath of God upon sinners who deserve it. But among those whom Jesus has covered for and on whose behalf Jesus has taken God's wrath, there can be no second wrath. So you've ever heard of the word double jeopardy? I first learned the word when I watched a movie of that same title, Double Jeopardy. It means one cannot be charged and convicted of the same crime for which he has already paid for. When Jesus paid for our sins and took upon himself the wrath of God, we who believe in Jesus will not suffer God's wrath because Jesus already took it on our behalf. He took it for us. He has atoned for our sins. And through him, we have been declared righteous. And this declaration of being justified is permanent. It's permanent. And this is how much God loves us. And lastly, another evidence of God's mind-blowing love is found in verse 10. Next slide. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. The death and resurrection of Jesus change our status. We used to be God's enemies, but Jesus has now reconciled us to God. Now, we are made friends. More than just friends, in fact, we are now made children of God. That is why we are able to call God our Father. So God's love is indeed mind-blowing because God's love reconciles. Now, if you've ever run into an enormous and overdue debt, but then you manage to pay the debt in the end, how would it affect your relationship with your debtor? Have you ever experienced that? Well, in the most positive way, the debtor would cease harassing you. It used to be knock on your door, call you up, 
to collect your debts, but now your debtor will cease harassing you. In the most positive way, he would no longer take you to court. But I doubt if he would make friends with you. You know, when I was in my teens, my dad got into trouble with his business. He supplied a very big construction project, and the, but the contractor, his customer, went fly by night. And dad had no way to recoup his loss. Dad's checks, they all bounced. And one supplier threatened to take him to court. Now, in my limited knowledge as a teen, I knew that issuing bounced checks is a criminal offense that can send one to jail. And despite my mom's pleadings, pleading to dad's debtor to give us some time to repay, give us some time to repay, no, the case will have to proceed if no payment was made. And thankfully, in the end, my uncle and my aunt offered to settle the debt on dad's behalf. They wrote a check to redeem my family from our plight. The creditor accepted the payment gladly that was paid on my dad's behalf. He dropped the case. He removed the threat of jail. And my dad was cleared. He was no longer, he will never be guilty of fraud. And it ended there. Meaning... From henceforth, his supplier would no longer want to do business with my dad. He wouldn't want to have, to do, to have anything with my dad. I knew that even when I was a teen because I remembered vividly well dad needed to buy and sell a particular item and he had to ask me to buy it from his supplier because he knew that he cannot show his face in front of his supplier, his former debtor. God is not like that, friends. When Jesus paid your debts and mine, God declared us righteous. But it didn't end there. No longer are we his enemies. On the contrary, he made us his children. Because Jesus brought about reconciliation. The last verse, for while we were still weak, let me read that again, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life.
a basic truth, yet essential to teach ourselves again and be reminded that God's love is indeed boom. It's mind-blowing. God's love covers our sins. It atones. It saves us from God's wrath. It reconciles us back to God. Did you embrace that beautiful truth? May you be delighted in revisiting this glorious declaration of God's love. The declaration that there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or for some of you, is this your first time that you've heard of this liberating declaration of God's love? If it is, I urge you to respond to His love. To cry out and tell Jesus, I want to turn away from my sin. Do not resist God's gift of justification. Tell Jesus, save me from my helpless state. Save me from sin and make me obedient to you. Tell the Lord, I desire the righteousness that comes only from you and make me your child. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks, Father, for the glorious gift of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to this world to give his life for us sinners so that we may benefit undeservedly your forgiveness. We thank you that in Jesus there is justification. We thank you that in Jesus there is reconciliation. So help us embrace this truth once again, even after many, many years from the, first, from the time we first heard of it. Help us to look to you in praise and, is, and in ceaseless thanksgiving for the gift of salvation that is found only in your Son, Jesus. For in his name we pray. Amen.